0: Hello and welcome to the Savvy Producer Podcast. My name's Phil from Marsden Mastering and this is a show all about productivity, efficiency and keeping your clients happy in the world of music production. Today's episode is a Q&A and I'm going to talk about what we can learn from top tier mixers and producers, how I approach ear fatigue and taking listening breaks, how I use automation when I'm mastering and some thoughts around balancing creativity with efficiency. So without further ado, let's get into it. So last week I put up an Ask Me Anything on my Instagram stories and I had a few really good questions, but there's only so much text you can fit into an Instagram story. So I thought it'd be nice to dive a little bit deeper on those here and explain my thoughts on them a bit more. So let's not waste any time. The first question came from Owen and it was, what can we learn from the best producers and mixers that you work with? Any things you notice? This is a really good question. It's one that I had to think about a little bit. But there are definitely a few things that I notice are a little bit different with the more experienced mixers and producers. So, first of all, sonically, which I suppose is the most interesting bit, is that I tend to find the more experienced mixers hand over louder sounding and more compressed mixes that still feel dynamic and full of energy and contrast throughout. Generally, they also make bolder choices when it comes to things like little bits of ear candy throughout a production or a mix. And arrangement-wise, things are often less busy too with the more experienced producers. The result of this is normally a final product that sounds much louder, much more exciting, much more in your face. It's a lot like a canvas. If you've got a painting on a canvas that's full of detail, loads of tiny little textures, the whole thing's painted, it can be amazing, but it doesn't stand out much in a room. Whereas if you have a canvas that is mostly still white with a few bold brushes of colour across it, that stands out and it really pops out at you. Neither is really better or worse, but I think that's what you get when you have a really simple but effective arrangement is something that really stands out. In terms of workflow, there's often a bit more organisation too. So I find we rarely have to go back and forth, making sure all of the files are right, making sure we have all of the instrumentals, radio edits, things like that. They're normally just ready and printed from the get-go. Everything is signed off, done, ready to go for mastering. And lastly, I think there's just more of a trust element with more experienced producers and mixers. More often than not, they just want me to do my own thing. They don't hand over too many notes. They just trust that it will come out sounding amazing. Don't get me wrong, they still really care and they don't want me to go crazy changing what they've crafted at all. But they trust that I'll just give the track what it needs. I think all of these things that I've just listed stem from obviously experience, but also the confidence that comes from that experience. So, for example, with the louder, more compressed mixes, often we're told not to overcompress things when you're starting out. So I think when you are starting out, you tend to hold back on things like that a little bit and you play it safe. But then as you get more and more experience, you understand the moves that you're making better. You hear it better and you just get more confident and more heavy handed with things like compression because you know how to make it sound good. Likewise, with the little bits of ear candy you'll hear in their mixes and the things that aren't necessarily the norm. They know the rules, they've spent years learning and developing their craft to the rulebook and now they're breaking them, now they know how they can step out of that box and stand out in a way that still sounds convincing and intentional. I also think they just understand the market really well, both in terms of their own market, so their artists, but also the wider market that their music is going to be sitting in. So most popular genres, no matter what it is, they just do need to be quite loud. Because that's what brings energy, and it's what makes music sound exciting to most normal people. So if you can do that in a way that just doesn't squeeze the life out of every element, you're winning. And that's exactly what they're doing. And I'm only talking about the mix here, by the way, as well. This is just the mix they're delivering. It already has this sense of loudness before it even gets mastered. I think the trust thing is confidence too, because they know their mix sounds great. The artist is happy, they're happy, there's no need for them to question themselves. Their work is done and it's just ready to be passed up along the chain. They've done this so many times, so they know exactly what to expect and they trust that it will be delivered upon. With the less experienced mixers and producers or even like self-producing artists, there's a lot more overthinking. There's a lot more questioning if things are truly done and they're generally a lot more sort of attached to the project, all of which is no problem. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're quite right to be attached to their music and be so engrossed in the details. That's wonderful. But it's a mastering engineer's job to then bring peace of mind to that final stage and assure them that the record is done and it is over the finish line. So yeah, all of this I think is just confidence. So in terms of what you can learn, I think it's just putting your hours in. Making as many records as you can, constantly taking on feedback from both your artists and your peers, and then always just trying to learn with every single song you do. The more hours you put in, the more work you do, the more songs you finish, the more this confidence just grows. And I think that's all it is. So hopefully that answers that question. There aren't necessarily any quick hacks or tips that I've noticed with this. I think it is just that experience and confidence thing, and that all just comes with time. So the next question that I thought was really interesting was how often do you take breaks to avoid listening fatigue? I think this is something that affects everyone at every stage of the production process in one way or another. But for me in mastering, the simple answer is every half hour to 45 minutes. Mastering is quite easy to manage for this because a song doesn't tend to take longer than that. It's a very quick, very instinctive process. Often after one listen through of the song, I know exactly what I want to do and where I want to take it. So you're only working on a stereo track. It doesn't take long to do those things. And if you're going beyond that length of time, something's probably wrong, either in yourself and your headspace or objectivity. Or maybe you're trying to fix something that should have been addressed in the mix or even the production stage. If you're going longer than an hour or so, you're probably just trying to make the song into something it isn't. And that's when you start getting a bad master. Also on this topic, I found something that's really helpful is only mastering six songs per day. Unless I'm working on a full length album, which I like to do in one day to stay in that headspace. I find that I don't really want to work on more than six songs. The ears are a little tired after that. So it's better just to not squeeze too much in. There's time for way more than that. But if I feel that, then I just don't feel like I'm going to be able to give everything my all. I also don't feel like my ears would survive the day. I think by the end, they'd be completely frazzled. So yeah, I put a hard limit on most days of six songs. Another thing I found helps is working on the sort of higher energy, more compressed, more hyped up music towards the end of the day and using the first few sessions for more dynamic music. So for example, if at the start of the day, I began with like a metal track or a dance track or something like that, that is very intense music that does batter your ears. You're making it loud. You're making it really compressed. You're trying to get as much energy out as you can and really get things flying out of the speakers. And to me, it just feels like that does take more of a toll on your ears. So if I did that at the start, I wouldn't have much um, ear battery life, I guess you could call it, for the end of the day. So I start on songs that are much softer, more dynamic and work my way up to the songs that are more lively. So hopefully that gives you some insight into that. The final question was, do you use automation much when mastering? Simple answer is yes, a lot. To me, automation is often just one of the best ways to bring energy and life to a track. Whether it's you need a chorus to feel bigger than every part before it, or you want a bridge to feel slightly smaller so that it kind of takes the listener to a more intimate moment, automation is often the answer. Or sometimes you just don't want a certain bit of processing across a whole track so you automate it in and out. I'd say the most common thing I automate is probably just the gain, just to control the macro dynamics of the song, make sure each section hits exactly as it should. Often if you have a song that's really really dynamic and say it gets really big at the end, you'll find that the mix is actually a little too quiet at the start. And if that's played in the context of a playlist or amongst the other songs by an artist, that start of the song can sound really quiet compared to other things. So I'll often automate that up, but do it in a way where when you get towards the end of the song, that final section that sounds huge still does sound huge and full of life. There's definitely a bit of an act to it, but that's probably the most common thing that I'm automating. Other things I find myself automating all the time are things like EQ. Maybe I want to apply a slightly different tone or frequency balance to a certain section. Maybe I want the vocal to pop out more in a chorus or something like that. And the bypass button for certain plugins. So an example I used is um, the other day I had Soothe come in just for the chorus of a song where things were getting a little bit harsh. The rest of the song, it was off. And then also, the width on Imager plugins can be a fun one to play with. You can make things nice and narrow for the verses and then really bring them to life in the choruses. And then sometimes parallel effects as well, like compression and saturation, so that they only come in for certain sections. A really interesting one, actually, is automating in ozone master rebalance. So, something I often find is that I feel drums need a little bit more pop and snap for a chorus so for that section and that section only, I'll bring in Master Rebalance and just bump them up 0.1dB, and that just gives them a really cool little snap. There are lots of other ways you can do this in the new Ozone update as well that are really cool that I've been playing with lately. But yeah, the list could go on. Automation is something I use all the time. I talk about efficiency a lot on this show, but I really think automation is something you should never be afraid to spend time with at any stage of the production process. Yes, maybe automating clip gain on your vocal isn't very fulfilling or creative, so that could probably be delegated to an assistant. But for just about everything else, it's one of the most creative parts, and it really, really brings life to songs, life to mixes, and make sure that you don't have a flat, boring mix with no contrast. So definitely spend time on automation, and think about delegating or automating, in the other sense of the word, other parts of your process so that you have more time to spend on things like this. These are the little creative things that bring so much life to your songs. They make it sound like you. And that's what your artists are hiring you for. So the more you can free up time for things like that, the better. In mastering, it would be very easy for me not to bother automating anything. I know there are a lot of mastering engineers out there who do love this sort of thing. But generally, I think a lot of mastering studios don't do a lot of automation. But for me, it's this attention to detail that really brings the most out of my client's mixes. And it makes me feel fulfilled in knowing that they're getting every bit of my creativity. It's how I really satisfy that creative itch by going into these little details. And if I didn't have my process dialed in, if I didn't have, say, that six song limit, then I wouldn't be able to do this. Maybe the mental capacity wouldn't be there or maybe the physical time to do it wouldn't be there. So I think there's definitely something to be learned from that for every stage of the process. So that's it for this episode. Before you go, I just want to make a really quick offer. So you want everything that leaves your studio to sound incredible, but sometimes that final 10% can leave you banging your head against the wall. Maybe you find yourself in the never ending cycle of making one last little tweak over and over again. And before you know it, you've been in the studio for 10 hours, you're surrounded by half empty coffee cups and your eyes are bloodshot. Or perhaps you're dead happy with your mixes, but you just need a reliable, thoughtful, fresh set of ears at the mastering stage to get them over the finish line. Either way, I'd love to help. I run a simple and collaborative mastering service, putting you, your production, and your artist's vision at the centre of attention. I bring peace of mind to that final stage of the production process and make sure everybody walks away with a record that they adore. So if you're tired of mastering your own mixes or craving a more personal touch than the big name Mastering Houses can offer, I'd love to team up with you. If you'd like a free mastering sample, be it on an old project or something current, drop it over to me via my website or email me on phil at That's phil at marsdenmastering.com and we can get the ball rolling.